Welcome to season seven of the Leadership Educator Podcast, your source for knowledge and expertise on facilitating leadership learning. Are you passionate about leadership education? Do you want to expand your resource toolbox with practical strategies for teaching, learning, and program design? Then this is the podcast for you. If you haven't done so already, please hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Hello and welcome to the Leadership Educator Podcast. I'm Dan Jenkins, Professor of Leadership and Organizational Studies at the University of Southern Maine. And I am Lauren Bullock, Assistant Professor of Instruction at Temple University. So in our seventh season, we are focusing on advancing the leadership education community of practice by exploring exemplary mentor-mentee relationships in the field and learning from scholars who write, speak, and develop mentor programs in higher education. Um, this season, we're asking the question, how do mentors help leadership educators program, conduct research, and teach? In, in this episode, so we are joined by with one of my most influential mentors in my career, uh, Dr. Jody Conway. Uh, she currently serves as the president of Full Circle Coaching. And uh, well, Jody, first off, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm so excited to, to have you here and to, and to see your face here. So we first met because, and it was funny because I was I uh, reflecting on this. I was like, gosh, was I ignorant? And I remember you um, telling me something very, really kind of funny about this because I, when I was in between still working at John Hancock Mutual Funds um, and their office there in Tampa, I was between my master's and PhD program. And that was when uh, Bob Sullins was still, he was the Dean of Undergraduate Studies, but he was serving in like an interim chair role, I think, for the higher ed program. And I had met him for lunch, maybe a month or so prior to, or maybe it was maybe, maybe as much as a year just to kind of explore the doctoral program. Um, and he, and he was, he, for whatever reason, he took a liking to, to what I wanted to kind of do with my career, which was still very undecided but was really trying to help to find me a role at USF in some way, shape, or form. And then a position came available, which I think may have been in some ways created in the Transitional Advising Center. And he said, you know, why don't you come to campus? And I think I was just so ignorant at that part of my just development. And we were walking around the offices upstairs. And then in my head, we just happened to, by happenstance, run into you in the hallway. And then Bob was like, hey, let's, uh, Jody, you doing, you know, let's grab lunch, you know? And later I found out like, no, that was, I was, I, I think I said, oh, what a serendipitous chance meeting. And, and you're like, Dan, that wasn't serendipitous. That was planned. And I loved how direct you always were with me. <laughs> you're like, I mean, and then in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, duh. Right. Like he totally wanted me to meet the person who was going to be like, ended up being my, my, my new supervisor for the next four and a half years of my career. But like in my head, it was just like, you know, I was, uh, I guess ignorance was bliss at that part in my, uh, in my career. And so did end up getting a position as an academic advisor in that transitional advising center where you were, where I, I still to, to this day can't believe how many parts of the university went through your shop, Jody, with first year programs and transitional advising and the other programs that uh, we were offering academic advising services, not just at the Tampa campus for USF, but also at that time, it was the Lakeland, USF Lakeland, and then St. Pete and Sarasota. I mean, it was just incredible. And so much that I learned about higher education 
uh, systemically was through working with you. And uh, and again, the the, the tough love, um, <laughs> oftentimes approach of just you know, and and developing me as a as a young professional in higher education, and always having a developmental approach to working with your staff and with your students, right? And it just it. It was shown in so many ways. I guess it shown and shined in so many ways. And so it was such an impactful part of my career to be able to spend that time with you while I was a doctoral student working in that office and just, you know, thank you. And it's just, it's great to have you here to share some of those stories with our audience. So any uh, uh, fact checking you want to um, put on anything that I've shared <laughs> this far? <laughs> uh, no, I, I think what you've really brought about though is really that, you know, what while the meeting wasn't serendipitous, the mentoring <laughs> Wait, was right. The right. So the the mentoring has to happen in in a in a area that you both have that energy, right? And so the moment I met you, and I totally remember that moment uh, in in the curve of that sidewalk, you know, the, the up on that second floor, um, and you know the concept and why I love so much and where I think education and business merge in this is that education and coaching is the same thing in the sense that you have to believe there's potential and you have to help the individual believe that they're capable, competent, uh, available, resourceful, and can do this. Uh, and so the thing that you came in with was this resourcefulness. I mean, I remember in the interview, it was this, well, I might not have this, but here's, you did all the transferable kind of techniques that were most important. And so in that, that's where the mentorship can grow. Cause there was never a moment. And I, I think this is the most important. There was never a moment because I've had them where it's like, I'd like you to formally ask to be your mentee, you know, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, that to me is like an article like, 0.5, please remember to, you know, send in a letter to, you know, do the, and those are the ones that, yeah, they happen, but they don't happen in the same way. Um, so, you know, I think that when they are, when you're curious, so again, there's these great connections for me with coaching and mentoring that they meet in the middle all the time. And that it says, you know, place where the individual is curious. They don't just want the job you have, you know what I mean? They don't want that. Cause a lot of times it's like, well, find out who you want to be and then go after and find out, do that. Do that. And my thing is find out what things you wanna do, kind of what places and ideas you wanna expand on and then find people who have those. They all don't have to be in the same package because no route is the same route. I mean, if you would talk to all the advisors that we worked with, Dan, in the office that you were in, no path was none, you know? And so to me, right. it's, you know, and you're, you're, I love the lens of your fact check, you know, that you want to fact check. I love <laughs> the lens, you know, that it comes through because they are so different, you know, but it, it is for me, what we did in that moment, it was finding I wanted advisors who found the potential in students because these were the students who had, you, you know, not found the path, right? So right. they tried a million different times and they hadn't found the path. And so to me, it's mentoring is all about helping someone find the path. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. What, what 
what a diverse group of of uh, professionals that were in and out of those offices over those those years and the graduate assistants and the work study students mm-hmm. that came in there too were all over the all over the place and i love that and you know one of the other roles and, and i'm um, I'm, I'm sure you'll talk about this at, at some point, but as a adjunct faculty in the um, student affairs, well, no, it wasn't, what was the exact post? Was it in yeah, the student affairs, mm-hmm. it was yeah, the student affairs and higher education yeah. master's program, right? And you were always teaching courses, campus ecology, student uh, development theory, right? And some others. Mm-hmm. I was actually yeah. telling a story the other day about campus ecology class and, and somebody thought, what, what, like, what, what a cool class for somebody to teach um, and how you would set up the office to be ecologically sensitive to 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 the way students would want to access certain things and and those types of things, you know, just the the opportunities that you were really intentionally creating for the uh, the master students in particular that had opportunities to work in our offices and how competitive it was to get into our office in particular that was always like a you know uh, the, the the trophy position of you know of, of all the the cohorts was trying to get you know I think it was our office and like the leadership office and maybe yeah, student activities. Yeah. And then if, if you didn't get those, the students were like, oh, I'm, I'm in such and such instead, you know? And so it was always funny how uh, how competitive they were for that. So what, just to to share a little bit more with the audience, just about like who you are, what, what are like three things that are important for people to know about you? Oh, I think that learner is at my heart. I think that when, um, uh, you know, and and the other thing is that I've just made the transition from uh, higher ed to my own company. And in that, that was a really uh, struggle in, in ways to, to think I'm leaving education. And then at one point, one of my mentors said, what if we reframe that? And and just, you had just said a few minutes ago, it's like, well, I didn't get the, you know, GA ship I wanted to. And I'd always go, what if we reframe that? look, now you get someone else to learn from and you still have me and you still have Dan. And, you you know, I mean, it's like, there's no, there's no just this one concept. It's and plus and plus, you know? So I, I think that uh, learner is, is at my heart. Um, I think that um, where I left the institution of education uh, there is still such dramatic opportunities for me to stay in touch with that and to connect with that. Uh, and I've kind of identified the with others the struggles um, that they might be having in education. I think now I'm positioning myself to help those through that um, in a different kind of role, almost like, you know, there's mentoring and then to me there's coaching and it's it's just like on steroids. It's, it's a more focused approach. Um, and so I, I really think that's important. And, and I think that, um, you know, the sense of uh, if we want to go through theory, you know, it's, you know, support and challenge. Um, and so that's always, you know, a big one for me. Uh, and how to how to do that with others and how to do that with mentoring. I loved your statement earlier, Dan, when you said, you know, it's kind of like um, you just told it like it is and, and you were straightforward. For, I was straightforward and, you know, I just really believe that in education, it's when we start to kind of not be transparent uh, in that process is where education and or the world stumbles, you know, we get in our own way, just, just be uh, open in that. And, and we do create that. And I don't think that's wrong. We create those moments to help people move forward. 
I mean, that'd be like, you know, now I know Lauren and it's just like, okay. It's like, you know, so how do we, how do we parlay that into that? So, you know, learner constructionist and evaluator. I think that that assessment is kind of a, a big aspect for me on how uh, and where we kind of learn and why we're learning and what, what we do with that. Yeah, definitely. And, and and you always took such a, again, developmental and also transformational approach. One of the, the notes that I made as we were as preparing to, to have this conversation, I, I love that you just brought back in like, you know, the supporting or challenging piece, because I, I wrote down one of the things that I appreciated and more as I reflected than maybe at the time I thought, whoa, what did I get myself into? What did I, what did I do type of thing? But I wasn't perfect as an advisor and, you know, I was always learning. And there were several times where you just, Hey, Dan, come let's, let's chat in the office. And you had the little table in the corner and two quotes that I have are, so Dan, what, what did I say that would make you think that or help me understand how (laughs) you just trying to get into my like thought process of why I would have made a decision a certain way or said a certain thing to a student that I was advising or what have you. And then you would unpack it and then help me very much a coaching conversation, right? Like it was, it was never like you idiot, how could you tell a student to, you know, it was always very, it was gentle, but direct and, and developmental. And I always appreciated that where you, you could have handled those things very differently. Cause I was probably very, yeah. I, I don't know what type of, again, at that part, at that time and uh, developmentally, like career-wise, I, who knows where my brain was at. As well, what, again, what I go back <laughs> to is they were jump points, right? Mm-hmm. So in our careers, you know, and when I work so often with HR and they're just like, well, this resume doesn't have this and this doesn't. And I'm like, let's look deeper at this. Let's really look at where this is. And so if if we're really looking at, you know, intellectual uh, intelligence is the only thing we're looking at, then we're missing it. And if, if we're not looking at the emotional and the kind of resourcefulness and what and the, and the resume doesn't tell us that. So when you've got to go deeper in that, you've got to figure out the why and and the who. And so once you know who the person is, then you can figure out the what, and they're always jump points. So it's like, yeah, you would love someone coming in perfect and wonderful. That's not what we get, you know, and a lot of my background is in research, generational research. And it's like, you know, and, and I love when the grandparents kind of tuck the Gen Zs under their arm and say, you know, these are my babies, you know. And the Gen Xers are like fighting, you know, like Prince Charles to be king, you know, kind of thing. And 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 all of this, you know, and the new one uh, that I love, uh, and I hope the name sticks, but the alpha generation, you know, that it's, it's we're starting all over again, right? Because we're done with the alphabet. So uh, I love that and hope it's that it, it the alpha generation sticks um, because it's all new and and nobody has the answers anymore. That's the, and, and in mentoring, so the concept is, you know, I, I fought in the eighties with, is that the right title? And mentee just, you know, nobody loved that title, you know? And it's like, well, I love that this is a conversation about how we help one another. So, you know, the concept um, uh, in some organizations um, utilize this, especially in DEI is lift and pull. You know, so how do we lift and how do we pull um, individuals into those moments? And I just call them jump points. It's like, where can you find someone that's in their jump point and how do you help them? If you're above them, pull up. If you're below them, push up, you know, whatever it takes in that moment 
to help that individual. But you, and another person just shared this with me a while ago, they won't know unless you tell them. So if you don't tell people where you want to go, and, and I know that seems obvious, but I'm sitting here one day, I'm like, oh my God, absolutely. It's just like, you know, it's kind of like, if you want to be on a podcast, go find people who, do, you know, do podcasts. If you want to create something, you know, go do that. So in a sense, that's reverse mentoring. Uh, you know, it's a sought out kind of thing. You know, this was, you know, more in the traditional sense, but it it is, it is where you can find people who are interested enough in your jump point to help you along that way. I feel like in your new business, you should just record these videos and put them on YouTube and then monetize the platform in that way. Because there are about eight things that you've said that I'm like, yeah, and I want to talk more about that with you. <laughs> so I can totally understand because Dan was like, oh no, we got to do Jody. She's the, you know, and he's like raving about you. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I get it. Yeah. Let's talk about energy and let's like the, I want advisors who can find potential in students like that. Yes. I've never seen that in the job description, but it makes so much sense because that's what is required when you're looking at a student and they can't pick out their classes like you know you really need that hope and that energy and so yeah. all, all of what you're saying makes sense and the jump point so I, I don't know a ton about business I do have a business myself but that please when you do those YouTube videos, let me know and I'll watch them all for you. Lauren, this sounds like sure. another opportunity for you to Oh, Lauren, this. no more commitments, but I will <laughs> happily commit to watching you talk at length on, on the line. Um, you know, you talk a lot about kind of the things that you've, it feels like you've taken away from your experience over your career, but um, how did you get into like higher education and student affairs? Like, where did that come from? Well, it, it's, it's a mentor. It's it. I was literally, I was first generation. I had no clue from a farm in South Dakota. I mean, like a working farm, like, you know, it's like lift bales. I mean, you know, cultivate all of that kind of stuff. Um, and just didn't have, I mean, I always say it's so funny that I was a perfect advisor because I literally only had five careers to choose from. I knew that a banker existed. I knew that a nurse doctor existed. You know, I knew a farmer existed, you know, and it was, it was kind of like, uh, those were the pretty much the only things. I mean, you know, you knew you go into a grocery store. I mean, it was, and there, you know, I would say before Google kind of thing when you can't look at it. And so when I work with students, um, even now in coaching and when I, I have a lot of uh, individuals who are moving from high school to college and, and work with them. And it's just kind of like, you, you have to be curious to find your place. And so that's what I at least took with me at that time. I knew that I loved what I grew up with and the values and all of that. I just knew I, I needed education. I knew that that's what I really loved. And so the first three weeks of school, of college, um, I just, you know, and thanks to my uh, career counselor in, in, in high school, she was just like, you know, just go figure it out. You know, that was a whole lot in ways easier back then. Um, and I met my Dean of Students. And so I walked in her, to her office uh, the third week of school after, you know, I knew it was kind of crazy settling down with orientation and doing everything. And I didn't know really what I was doing. And, and so I kept saying, where's Mrs. Niece's office? And they said up here. And, and so I walked in and I said, I sat down and I said, I finally found out what I want to do. I want to be you when I grow up and how to, and I mean, she was so taken back. I'm like, you've been here like 22 minutes, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, 
that's what I want to do. And so she literally sat down and said, this was the path I took. Um, and if you want to do this, you know, let's get you a work city job. Let's do this. Let's, you know, do that. And, and I started, uh, you know, just following that plan kind of, uh, and then got my master's degree and more and more individuals just cared for me and mentored me. They got me to Oshkosh because I wanted to be in housing and I didn't know how that all worked. Um, and, you know, that was a pretty big jump to go from activities kind of ba basis in res life to, you know, a, a partial, you know, I'd say res life, not what it is today. And Oshkosh really got me that um, placement exchange, got me that opportunity. And and from there, I knew um, I wanted to be dean of students, and you know, and in my career, you know, in student success, and 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 dean and uh, chief officer, and and just really know, uh, even in what I do now, it's about creating the future others want to see in themselves. No, no, I love that, and and it's fun to hear that story again. I'm curious, what would you say from? you know, your mentor's advice, you know, or your personal experiences um, in some of those early roles, you know, did, did you use in shaping those that, that you had an impact on or led, you know, like me, maybe some of these coordinators, some of these administrative assistants, student leaders, some of the master's students, like what was some of that that you were able to, to transfer as a result of those impactful experiences that you had as a mentee? Well, you know, I, I love when, at least with the graduate students, where you get time to talk with them. Because until you find out who they are and what they want, you are literally just doing an HR process, you know? And so to me, that lunch with you, Dan, was so important because, you know, Dean Sullins was like, I really want you to talk to, her, to him. And it's like, I think he'd be great. And I'm like, you know, and then he's like, gave me the resume and he's like, meet with him before you look at the resume. <laughs> and, right. No higher ed experience. Right. I, yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was like student government, you know, and it was just like, okay. So um, back then, you know, it's like, okay, you know, but the questions and that transparency and how you wanted to help others and where you wanted to go. I don't know how much you remember of that interview, you know, but because you never get to eat in those interviews. I don't know why they do them over lunch. I just have to say that as an aside. I'm like, I didn't even know it was an interview, Jody. I mean, I really, I mean, I'm serious. Like I really, I mean, I know I had to come back. I swear I came you back. You did, you did, yeah. And then I met with you and with- Because um, it was a jump point. It was Jerry. a huge jump yeah, yeah, yeah. point, right? He had, he had to get buy-in from me to say, yeah. you know, because if, and here's the other thing. If you're in a pile of resumes, Without mm -hmm. that personal mentor touch, without yeah. that, I've seen potential in the classroom. So to me, when you talk about what I've done with others is when I know the what of someone and the who of someone, then I literally can go, Lauren, you need to, I know you're having a position here. This person is coming up in this and you need to look at them. And this is where I see that some gaps but here's where your ability and what I know about you can either push or pull. And, and so mentoring is not just about this component or coupling of individuals. It's about this whole circle of touch points, because what you're doing is passing it off to another touch point. You know, I mean, we talked about, do I, do I go to Maine? What will this look like? How, you know, I mean, I don't know if you remember those conversations, but you I mean, you felt at that point, I'm fully baked as an advisor. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. Hey, I, I'm at, you know, 
success point here. And you were, but then it's another jump point. What does that look like? What will that do to my family? What will that, how will that impact me? You know, and, and so those are, how do you create the questions and the conversations to meet the needs of the kind of story that's happening in the head or the, mm -hmm. the kind of, you know, things that we all go through? I mean, you know, to me, I found this great quote, leadership is not about being in charge. Leadership is about taking care of those in your charge. That's what we're supposed to do in education. I mean, we are leaders, but we're leaders to help others be leaders and find where they're supposed to go. I wonder how many faculty too think like that. So some of what like I'm researching is centered around faculty student interaction. And do we approach teaching in the same way we do, we would, if we were a leader, like, do we think of ourselves truly as leaders in that classroom? Um, and, and it's so interesting that you say that, uh, like you, you said, that you, you said more people just cared for me as this way of like, of your career advancement wasn't about any specific strategy. I mean, you had a far off goal, be the dean of yeah, students, yeah. but it was just kind of like these folks who you met at these critical jump points who were helping you get, you know, from one place to the next, you know, for an entire career. And it seems like you're almost like a like a leadership psychic or something, meaning like you, you're, you're so in tune with what, what's happening that you're like, oh, I can foresee this coming down the pipeline and knowing that this is going to be great, but it, it almost doesn't pay enough homage to the, the work you've put in to really follow that person and know that person and their path so that, that what seems maybe like being a psychic is really just a logical next step in a process or having a conversation around these jump points to ensure it fulfills that person's need. Um, and so just, just incredible to hear it in that respect. It's moving away from transactional. Yes, definitely. And that's where, when Dan asked the question, what I did with other professionals in that, it was like, you know, because education can be paperwork beyond paperwork. I mean, it's like, it's the, you know, king of red tape. Um, and so the concept though is, to me, it was like, put that all aside, you know? And when I would talk to individuals and when I would and we did a lot of mentoring and like when you were coming up um, and I remember you doing this with um, when you were training uh, as well. It's just like, just let them watch. You know, I'd be like, just bring them in and let them watch, you know? Uh, and, and you were like, okay, but here's the plan. And I'm like, you'll get, you'll get, you'll hit all of that. <laughs> just let them watch you. Um, because so much from observation happens in that. And so we have to do all this paperwork, right? And mm -hmm. everybody, and that's where uh, often I think advisors are picked on who are really detailed oriented, who do all of that. And you need that. But if they're not willing to find, if it's just to get them through the gauntlet and through the queue, you know, I mean, let's look at Disney. It's like they put someone at the beginning of the queue and hi, how are you? What's it? What do you know? I mean, they put someone in the middle of the queue to say, well, you know, we're almost there. You know, it's like, it is a progression of that. And so is our jobs in education. And so if that's to hand it off to someone else, or if that's to add in, in academics, if a faculty doesn't have time, can they put someone on the front end to do that learning of who, the what, and then share that with them? You know, even if that's 
an executive summary. And if I say, like Lauren say, I was handing Dan off to you and I'd be like, okay, here's what you need to know about Dan. I mean, think of it as a television producer. I mean, literally it is, you know, it's like, here's what you need to know. Here's the research I've done. This is what, and anchor goes on, right? You know, and it's like tonight we have, you know, but they've got some background in that. And so how do we cultivate that background of who or what? Because otherwise the major is not going to matter. The degree is not going to matter. If we're not looking at the person and we're not finding out where their points of interest are, their points of concern, what might be happening. It, you know, so years ago, um, you know, when we were doing ecology of the campus, it's now the elevation of that is psychological safety. And so if we're not worrying about all of the components of psychological safety for our students, we're not doing the whole job. We're just doing a part of it. We're just making it transactional. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so many things are coming back to me as I think about, and it's funny because I was coming out of working in customer service and quality assurance for a big financial firm mm -hmm. and then coming into, you know, working at, at a university. And there were some things that, that I brought with me, but that were considerably tweaked in certain ways because of your guidance. I think about anytime we were training a new uh, advisor or a graduate assistant, like exactly what you said about having them just like sit and observe and be part of the process and, and the generativity that was just like so a part of your, your approach, it has had a huge impact to this day for me and how I work with new faculty, new staff that we bring into our department. And like, I'm we have a new department chair right now. I was department chair for six and a half years. I don't know if I would have done what I did without having worked with you, which was I had Lisa shadow me for basically from like January until May. And then she co-chaired with me all summer because I was like, I, I want to make sure not only like I want the department to be okay, right? Which is like, why am I so nervous about that? But also I want to make, I want her to, to succeed. And I want to be able to, to, to and continue to support her. And, you know, I shared that with some, some colleagues and they're like, why are you spending so much time on that? Like, just let her, you know, she'll sink or swim. I'm like, no, no. Mm -hmm. Like what? Mm -hmm. Like, I, and I can't even like, I'm like, you're, I'm like, you're, you're talking a different language to me. And it also kind of spilled into, I guess what you would call in like customer service spaces, like the soft transfer. Yeah, like mm -hmm. you would like you you'd be like don't you ever just like transfer someone to financial aid and hang up like <laughs> like you're gonna like that is like here's your pink slip you know like mm -hmm. it's like get that person on the phone which yeah. because of your efforts like we had relationships with people in financial aid and the registrar and other and admissions what because you you facilitated that and so it'd be like hey you know mark hey i've got such and such on the line you know they've got a question about the here's your student number you know whatever you know so they've got that context and they don't have to start all over and just it was all those things that have and i loved i think you you and bob would do this bob sullins would would you be let's just call this office and see see who picks up the phone and what they say to see like how are we training them are they are they doing what they're supposed to be doing and if they answered with the right types of uh response or, or answered the questions correctly you're like okay good good they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and it was a nice way to kind of do some some quality assurance on on our side so absolutely well and you know just so you have jump points you also what we were talking about are the polish yeah. points so mm -hmm. there's polish points where when you were helping that individual go on, you know, is it was a chair? Was that what? Mm, right, department chair, yeah. Department chair, you know, those are polished points. And so when you take the care to do that, then 
you know, I always thought that was so hilarious, especially in education would be like, well, people need to learn to sink or swim. It's like, we're in education. We're, we're in education. It's to A to B, to that's what we do. We have to help them get to that. And how do we do that? And how do we, and then I think the other thing is to ask questions. What did you see? What lens do you bring that's different? How would you have handled that? What would have you changed? You know, because then we get, as our exit point, we get new awareness as because you did it for six years. So, you know, it's like, ask them, what do you see? What would you change? It's like, oh my gosh, that would have been awesome to do. Or yes, that will work well. Or cautionary tale. Okay, if you try that, these might be the people who push back. This might be where you, you get, I mean, to me, it's like, it's such a foreshadowing possibility to care for people in their next step. It's not spoon feeding. We never spoon fed. We never, that was, you don't get that. That's not, you know, we're not doing that. We're teaching them how to fish. We're teaching them how to move forward. We're, we're creating that sense of confidence and capability that we want and see in them that they haven't yet seen in themselves. I don't have a response because I'm sitting here like, yeah, Jody, yep, you're so right. We got to care for people. You got it, Jody. Um, but you know, I love it, and it makes me think though. So in our both Dan and I have talked about our teaching styles and how we try to approach our students. And more recently, I've been reading a lot about caring teaching and about how it's very popular in K through 12, and it's kind of slowly making its way into higher education. But it, but it almost this conversation affirms something that I believe, like your student affairs experience, really influences your approach to teaching. Mm -hmm. Meaning you are like, it is drilled into you in student affairs to really take care of the students that you're working with, put them at the center, make sure that you're fighting for their rights and you're supporting and challenging them as necessary and giving them that guidance. So not only that they can graduate from college, but also they're prepared for that professional experience for as much as you can, knowing that that professional life is going to change. And it just makes me feel like that student affairs experience really adds like a, a deeper level of understanding to higher education. And considering now kind of higher ed is really in this crisis where they're going to have to make some serious changes and shifts just to retain people, not even to be innovative, just to keep people here. That that sink or swim mentality, it, I know there are a lot of people who are professionally raised like that, but that's not going to sustain the continuity, especially when we have a generation like you. I love that you talked about um, Xers, boomers, and, and generation. Generation Z has watched adults make these poor decisions and they don't trust adults. And the adults are like, well, I don't know why they're not listening. And it's like, well, look, they're going to run you down this laundry list of problems that you caused for them by not paying attention. And they're like, we're not listening to nothing you say. But anyway, um, the, but it, to me, it feels like Gen Z, they want to be cared for and they will support the leaders that they feel like see them as people and care for them as people. And, and I almost wonder if we should go out recruiting our student affairs brethren over to the faculty side, like you naturally have this gift that, you know, and you can teach these things, you know, just because right now that, that care is needed more than ever. Um, yeah. I also, though, want to caution against, it, it's also not our responsibility to take everything on. So I think sometimes in student affairs, we care a little too much to the point of our own detriment in terms of our work experience. And so I, I wonder if moving forward, it's now this balance of 
of both caring for students and caring for self in a way that really makes higher education better. To me, that feels like what this conversation should be about. Absolutely, Lauren. And that is where I love the components of coaching to be included in that because coaching is helping that client through that process, giving them the space, time, and energy to do that. Yet at the very beginning, it is your responsibility. The accountability is yours. Um, there is not, and that I think can be infused in business. I think that can be infused in medicine. I think that can be infused in healthcare, especially education is that accountability. And I think when I worked with Gen Zs, they feel that accountability because they feel that the rest of the generations have screwed up so much in, in a lot of ways, you know, and yet when I say to them as Gen Zs, um, and I, and I talk to them and it's like, so what's your perspective? What would you do different? And when you can get to that level, they'll bring in things that others have learned. And I'm like, oh, so, so, so-and-so did give you some good advice there. Or, you know, there, there was some understanding there, not just, you know, well, when I was a junior, nobody helped and it was all online. And I'm like, well, what would have you done different in a p- pandemic crisis? How would have you taught differently? And then they're like, well, there's not, I don't know, you know, it's like, so those, those kind of pinch points for them to have understanding in is just to let them talk, let them express that. What we try to do, I think in education is try to say, here's, here's the knowledge. We're going to shove it inside of you. We're going to make you learn this instead of saying, you know, in my classes, I tried to say, how do we experience this? Because ecology, you have to experience it theory, you have to experience it. And so once they can experience the learning and every, I mean, chemistry, that's how it's designed. It's about experimentation. It's about curiosity. If we as educators can get back to that curiosity and kind of, you know, experimentation in that thought and process, then they're going to come in and then they're going to be retained because their voice matters. Yeah. I have so many examples of where you've where you did exactly all these things, Jody, working 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 with you. Because I was trying to think about how do I, how do I describe where I was developmentally in my late twenties, working in the track office, and and what I came up with is uh, was a puppy whose clothes were too big. Like I just feel <laughs> like I just was not quite. I was still half baked as an individual, as a as a person. And you were and again going back to that support and challenge, right? You were there. You were very empowering, but also. Um, there were times where like, you're like, some structure needs to needs to happen here. And, and here's how, you know, I think about some of the opportunities that you you presented for me or that you kind of urged me to to take on. Like, I think it was, there was some type of committee, like a mm-hmm. advising social mm-hmm. committee or programming committee or, or something like that. And the, the, the conference, the advice. Yeah, conference. right. Which was to bring yeah. together, what was it? 150, yeah. 100, almost 200 advisors across mm-hmm. the four campuses. Right. And like, you knew I could do it. And I had a great team around me of, of advisors. You were going to be a department chair someday. <laughs> I, I guess you did. Like you had the crystal ball. I don't know, you know, but like how empowering to, for you to be like, take this on. And there were other events where we would bring together different parts of campus. Right? You know, I remember the, the registrar at the time. I can't remember. I can't remember her name, but I remember the conversation where she was like, Dan, I've never been invited to uh, an advising event ever. Thank you for having me come and have a forum where I could speak 
about some of these policy changes or whatever to advisors. And two, another uh, element where I found you to be really empowering in my career was one of the things, in, particularly in our office, where we were working with undecided students and sometimes, and not even sometimes, often students have found themselves in like probation or academic suspension situations. And over time, you, you start to see patterns and things of like, okay, is there a mathematical, is, is it like mathematically possible for this student to come back or what would need to happen and to go through all that data, come through it and be able to come to you and say, all right, I've met with this student. I think here, here's the potential I see and allowed me to advocate for students. And I'd say probably 90% of the time you'd say, all right, go back put all this together. Let's, let's make this happen. Let's present this to the student. It's up to the student now to either, I mean, at that point, it's up for the student now to sink or swim based on all of this opportunity that you've created for them or this, this opportunity, you know, this chance or this, the second chance. And, and some, I mean, there were things for like, you know, families, you know, student, why did they, why did they stop out? Because they're like entire family's business was devastated by yes. a fire. Or something yes. like that, or yes. like family members, you know, uh, you know, dying tragically, or, or what? I mean, you don't know, right? Until you you find out these students' stories, and to be able to to for you to say yes, let's that makes sense. Let's let's do this. And there was a handful where you're like, I don't know, Dan. I really, really, this is a stretch. And I and I always appreciated that, you know, support, but with but with structure or with kind of critical thinking. Same thing with when I was starting to take on teaching some of the leadership courses in the, in the minor of like, okay, you know, but you're, you know, you you work in this office first <laughs> and let's make sure that that's covered before, you know, some of these other responsibilities are taken on. And as much as I, you know, was like, Err, it was good to have those, those boundaries created for me developmentally at that Absol time. Absolutely. And, and Brene Brown talks about this, about mm -hmm. being, Clear is kind, right? So I didn't want right. you halfway through the process going, well, no one told me that. Mm -hmm. No one told me what my priority had to be. You know what I mean? It's like, sure, you know? And and so in that, you know, it's like, how do we do this? And she has another technique that I really love is paint done for I me. I love that. What, I use it all the time. I love exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. So to me, those are key points in individuals who are new in their profession. I mean, if you're not if you're not walking them through that process how do they know what that is like how do they know when okay if i take on more tasks how do i balance that and which what has to happen in all of that those moments you know except for crisis points when their care and grace has to be given in those moments you know and but in that you know it is and i when you said the word sink and swim i wanted to go back to lauren it was it's kind of like you know we we never should ever have it should be choice so what's your choice? And if their choice is to not do what we have laid out and what is together, again, together, because if it's just, well, you only have this, this, and that, because what you were talking about is the academic review committee. And so they were, this was their last chance. They were out, you know, unless there was a really good rationale, um, you know, and my statement always was, let's give them those chances and then have them make those choices in that. And then they, and then the accountability is theirs. It's like, you know, people would be like, no, they've already got, you know, they've, you know, they've already had their chances in their classes. And I'm like, what is one more chance? What does it hurt? You have to tell me in education, what giving one more chance and not a million of them. I'm like one more chance in having them clear. Like I clearly know now, you know, cause we'd often get, well, no one told me, okay, I'm telling you now this is how this will work. This are what the options are. 
this, do you understand? I mean, I even, you know, went with where we sign off. It's like, I clearly understand, blah, 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 blah. You know, so that there's accountability on their part. I mean, if we have to do it with Apple, you know, check when, you know, slide down, go, or on a cruise, you know, slide down, go, okay, I, I never get any money because, you know, it's the, the cases in some other country, whatever that is, we're, we're agreeing to that. And so what we have to give individuals in education is that choice and that accountability. And then you don't have to make it transactional. It can be totally conversational. It can be totally uh, communicative, communicative and you know, transformational. That's what we're wanting in education, really. Yeah, you, make a, you make some great points in terms of that being very clear, like clear as kind, you know, on, I have the the Brene Brown book, but I have not read that part yet. So now I feel like I got some homework to do. Uh, my takeaway. <laughs> yes, thank you Jump so much. <laughs> uh, so before we end, um, I have one, you know, one more question for you. You've shared a lot of really good tips, really good advice and words of wisdom. Um, what would you specifically say to those running either leadership programs or teaching leadership courses? Like what advice, one piece of advice, if you could leave them with today, what would you give them? I'd put the responsibility on them and I would ask them, why are they there? Mm -hmm. To go back to that moment of why they got in leadership. And I would hope as they look and reflect on that, because we, I get, I get the pressure comes from the left. I get the pressure comes from the right. I get pressure comes from up, down, all of the things that can happen, but take some time and reflect on why you were there. And I will go back to the quote as kind of the ending point that leadership is not about being in charge. Leadership is about taking care of those in your charge. So how are you gonna pull someone up? How are you gonna push someone? How are you going to help them in their jump points? And how are you gonna polish them? That's- Yeah, I love that. And the comment that you shared earlier about how do we experience this? As you mentioned that about like, what did I get into teaching leadership, you know, in the first place? And why has this become my passion and my career of, of understanding how individuals learn leadership is it really is that how do we experience this in the classroom if we can't experience it outside of the classroom? And how do we bring those experiences from outside the classroom into the classroom as a, as a springboard for learning more about how we develop as leaders and followers and organizations working towards some type of common purpose or, or mission or, or, or vision? And yeah, this has been such a great conversation. All the nuggets that you dropped that some I expected, some I didn't expect. And so glad that we get an opportunity to, to share your expertise and insight with our audience. I'm so, so grateful, Jody, that we were able to make this happen. Thank you so much. And so excited for where you are with your career and absolutely wishing you the best with Full Circle Coaching. And we'll definitely put a, a link to that in our show notes. So uh, again, thank you so much. Thank you guys. It's been great. Do you connect with leadership educators virtually? Please follow us on social media. Search the Leadership Educator Podcast on LinkedIn to find our page. And find us on Twitter at Lead Educator Pod for episode release information, show notes, and upcoming events. You can connect with me on Twitter at Dr. Underscore Leadership. And Lauren is at M-R-S-L-A-U-R-J-B. That's Miss Laura JB. You can find the episodes wherever podcasts are available. We also encourage you to please subscribe at leadershipeducator.com and rate us five stars as the more you rate us, the easier it is for others to find us.
We'd like to thank the James M. Cox Jr. Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership within the Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Georgia. The support was facilitated by Dr. Keith Herndon, William S. Morris Chair in News Strategy and Management. And our wonderful theme music was composed, performed, and mixed by Dr. Matt White, trumpeter, composer, and associate professor and chair of jazz studies at the University of South Carolina. Check him out at mattwhitejazz.com. Matt, thank you so much for sharing your musical genius with our audience. And finally, we are grateful for the support of two professional associations that are destinations for leadership educators, the Association of Leadership Educators and the International Leadership Association. ALE, which funded the start of the podcast, continues to promote our mission of continuing conversations with leadership professionals. Check out all that ALE has to offer at leadershipeducators.org. The global reach of the ILA has helped us to expand our listenership beyond our original borders. Check out the ILA's programs and resources at ilaglobalnetwork.org.